Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to our worship team. Thank you for being here today. Thank you whether you're joining us online or at our Rossville campus. We're so glad you're with us wherever you are. Hey, Revelation chapter 12, if you have your Bible. So I started a sermon series last week called Boo! What we know about the supernatural, and really last week I talked about ghosts, and it was a uh, more, almost more of a Bible study format, and today I'm, I'm going to do the same thing, because today, last week I preached on Ghostbusters, today I want to preach on the exorcists, and today's really a, it's really a Bible study as much as, as it is anything, it's, it's, it's really a couple of sermons where, where I want to spend my time um, educating us on what the Bible says about these things as we look at the uh, paranormal and really the supernatural. So last week I talked about ghosts and the fact that there is no such thing. And this week I want to talk about the demonic world and let you know there is such a thing. And so I'm ghosts last week, demons this week, and then next week I'm going to talk about Lord willing, spiritual warfare and what we do about these things. And so today, if you'll bear with me one more week and let me really just do almost like a Bible study uh, as I educate us on what the Bible would say about the demonic world. And so we're going to do that. Take notes. Feel free to take notes. And uh, maybe you'll learn some things during this. I don't know if you remember this movie or not, have ever heard of it, I by no means am recommending this movie. I've never seen this movie and don't have any intention of ever seeing. I've seen clips along the way, didn't, don't even really uh, like, there's a reason I'm talking about it this morning. But The Exorcist terrified audiences when it was released in 1973. It remains one of the scariest movies ever produced, often ranked as the scariest movie of all time. The film, I want you to hear this, the film grossed $441 million on a $12 million budget. After several reissues, The Exorcist has become the ninth highest grossing film of all time in North America, and after adjusted for inflation, the top grossing R-rated film of all time. Again, I'm not recommending the movie. I'm recommending the opposite. Just hang with me for a minute. The narrative centers around a 12-year-old girl named Reagan who becomes possessed by an evil entity. When her mother discovers the truth, she enlists two priests to expel the demon and save her daughter. The movie's surrounded by real and urban lore. For example, at least four people died that were connected to the project. Multiple stars received minor and major uh, injuries during the filming. Even the little girl that was uh, maybe the star of the movie, so to speak, received an injury that has lasted throughout her life. One interesting note is that a rogue fire burned down the set during filming, 
But the bedroom where most of the movie was filmed was left untouched by the fire. Warner Brothers was sued by a film goer during the film screaming, in screen, not screaming, that would be appropriate, screening in 1974. This man claimed he was so frightened by the film's imagery that he lost consciousness, slipped out of his seat, and broke his jaw when he fell on the seat in front of him. And eventually, Warner Brothers settled for a sum of money that has yet to be disclosed. All of that from a movie that was based on some real-life events. It is said or rumored that the exorcist, an exorcism took place on Georgetown University school grounds in 1949, and a book was written about it, and then the movie was made. According to stories in 1949, a schoolboy, not a girl, age 14, attempted to contact his dead aunt using a Ouija board and ended up being possessed by demonic forces. According to the story, the boy underwent several or attempted several exorcisms on the boy. Allegedly, one of his hands came out of his restraints during the exorcism, broke a bed uh, bed spring with supernatural strength, and used the bed spring as an impromptu weapon, slashing the priest's arm, resulting in the exorcism ritual being halted. The parents then felt like they received a supernatural message and went to St. Louis where they had some friends where the uh, Roland's cousin contacted one of his professors at St. Louis University, a bishop. Here is a photo. Get it off this. Here's a photo of the priest he contacted, William S. Bowden, an associate uh, of College Church. Together, the priest visited Roland in his relatives' homes where they allegedly observed a shaking bed, flying objects, and a boy speaking in a guttural voice and exhibiting an aversion to anything sacred. So Bowden and, and Roland were granted permission to do another exorcism, and it took place at Alexian Brothers Hospital in South St. Louis, during which, they say, Words such as evil and hell, along with other various marks, appeared on the teenager's body while the mattress began to shake. The boy came out of the trance, said he had dreamed the archangel Michael was in battle with Satan and the archangel Michael had won and the possession was finally over. We don't really know who the boy is, not, not for sure. He was given an alias role in the the book, but Priest told a reporter that when the rite was over that the, the boy went on to lead a rather ordinary life. Some even reported that he retired from NASA after a long successful career, though we're not exactly certain of who he was since he was always used, uh, he always used an alias. Now, Why in the world do I bring up that movie? Because that is exactly where the average American and the average Christian get all of our theology from about the demonic world and spiritual activity. We don't go to the Bible, we go to Hollywood. And so what we think about 
demonic activity, what we think about a demon world, what we think about a spiritual world comes more from the movies than it actually comes from what the Word of God says. We know more from the movies than we do the Word of God. And look, it's not like we don't believe in demons. Now, we, we believe in ghosts more than we believe in demons, but still, we, we believe in the demon world. Do you believe in demons? 67% do. Do you believe in possession? 51% of Americans say they believe that a demon can possess a person. So what does the Bible say about all of them? Our theology, though sometimes borders on being correct, is not actually correct because the Bible does talk about demons and the devil often. So what does it really say about the demonic world? Well, would you stand with me as we honor the Word of God by reading it, Matthew chapter 12 and I'm really going to be all over the Bible today, but let's, let's use these verses as our launching point for this Bible study. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles handy. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail, and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out. The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world, he was thrown to earth and his angels with him. You may be seated. So again, I'm, I'm preparing for next week. Next week as I talk about spiritual warfare, how the Bible says we are to protect against this, this uh, spiritual world that's coming against us, I want to set us up today by really letting us know who our enemy is. So I'm going to make, hold on to your horses, I'm going to make nine statements about the demonic world today. And I know you hear the word nine and some of you just panicked and your stomach grumbled. I get all that. Hang with me. Some of these I will not even spend one minute on. So let me tell you nine things we know about the demonic world and I'd encourage you to take notes. Number one, here's what we know. That is the demonic world is real. The demonic world is real. The Bible assumes from the very beginning that demons exist over and over in the Gospels. We see Jesus, Jesus' encounters with the demonic. As a matter of fact, we find at least 11 times that Jesus himself had an encounter with the demonic. Let me show you where those are. We find an encounter with the demonic in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus went through his temptation in the desert. Now, you remember in that story, it was the literal devil himself. It was the demonic uh, leader. And so it was Diablo, Satan himself, who was attacking Jesus. No doubt there were other demons there present, but they came after Jesus, and it was a very real experience and a very real conversation. We see in Mark chapter 1, a demon who is in the synagogue. We see in Luke chapter 8, a man in the tombs where Jesus cast him into swine. We'll see that a little bit later on. We see Matthew chapter 12 when Jesus casts a demon out of a mute man. We see in Luke chapter 4, demons being cast out and proclaiming him Messiah. Even the demons recognize who Jesus was. Mark chapter 9, we see demons cast out of a boy who had been harming himself. Matthew chapter 15, we see demons cast out of a Greek woman's daughter. 
Mark chapter 16, they drove out seven demons from Mary Magdalene, who plays a prominent role in Scripture later on. Luke chapter 22, he warned Peter about Satan's desire to have him. Satan wanted to sift him. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sent disciples out with authority authority over the demonic world. And Mark chapter 16, Jesus predicted demonic activity among the church age. Now, I'm not saying that's all, but that's at least 11 times we see Jesus directly talking about or dealing with the demonic world. And you see part of the demonic world, you'll see these phrases being used, Satan, demons, devil, or even evil spirit. Let me deal with those for just a moment. When you see the word Satan in the Greek, it is the Greek word Satan or Diablos in the New Testament. He is the chief of the devils. He is the chief of the demons. Satan himself is the ruler of the demonic world. Then you'll see the word demon or devil oftentimes in the New Testament. That is the Greek word daemon, daemon in the Greek. It is the foot soldiers of evil. And then you'll see the word evil spirit sometimes, which in the Greek is an unclean spirit and is often used interchangeably with demon or devil, daemon. And so you'll see demon, devil, or evil spirit all used of the same type of entity. And all those are commonly, prominently in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, there was a flurry of activity in the Gospels around Jesus' time. There was a flurry of demonic activity when Jesus was on the earth, maybe two reasons for that. Number one, maybe there was an increase in demonic activity because of his presence. That Satan was doing a greater work because he knew who Jesus was and was trying to thwart it. Or maybe number two, Jesus had a heightened sensitivity to the presence of demons because he was God. And when he would get in the presence of demons, they'd often cry out, they'd often yell out, they'd often scream out. And Jesus maybe recognized the demonic world far better than we recognize the demonic world. Either way, demonic activity was real then, and hear me, it is real today. Now, I'm not saying you need to see a demon behind every bush. But we can't deny the presence of demonic activity. We see demons in the Old Testament, in the Gospels, in Acts, in the Epistles, and at the very end of the age. And they are active today, and there's no reason to believe otherwise. The demonic is real. Second thing I want to tell you just briefly, and that is demons are fallen angels. The best we understand, demons are fallen angels. If we're going to believe in guardian angels, then we need to believe in attacking demons. Most theologians believe, and I'm not smart enough to tell you any differently, that sometime between Genesis 1.31 and Genesis 3.1, there was an angelic rebellion in heaven led by Satan himself. He was jealous of God's creation. And so Satan and a third of the angels fell. In 2 Peter, Peter refers to this. In 2 Peter 2 verse 4, he said, For if God didn't spare the angels, who had sinned? And by the way, it's why we... One reason we get a new earth is it's been touched by sin. One reason we get a new heaven 
is it's been touched by sin of the angels who rebelled and sinned against God. And so Peter refers to that in 2 Peter chapter 2, those angels who had sinned. Satan is the chief rebeller, chief rebeller, I think I made that word up, and the demonic horde that followed him, the angelic host that followed Satan in his rebellion are the fallen angels today, and they constitute the demonic world. Third quick thing I want to tell you about demons are this. Demons are totally spiritual creatures. Often in the movies we see demons portrayed as monsters with horrible characteristics and they're, they're given all sorts of human type bodies. The Bible never describes a fallen angel as anything other than a spirit. We know they do not have fleshly form because of their ability to inhabit a host. Look up here on the screen with me, if you will. Luke chapter uh, 8, verse 27. You'll remember this story. When Jesus got out on land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. For a long time, he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house, but in the tombs or in the cemetery. Like, I need another reason not to be in a cemetery at night, right? And uh, verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and said with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torment me. Verse 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into deserted places. What is your name, Jesus asked him. Legion, he said. Because many demons had entered him. What is your name, he said? Legion, because many demons had entered him. Well, the only way many demons could enter somebody is if they were spiritual creatures. Now, we know the end of this story. We're not going to read it here, but Jesus cast the demons out of him And into the swine, the pigs, and 2,000 pigs committed suicide because they were possessed. Which leads us to believe there could have been 2,000 evil spirits inside him. Maybe not. Maybe it was herd mentality. But we know there were many because they told Jesus that. So demons are spiritual creatures. They don't take physical form but they're spiritual because they are able to possess other hosts number four we know about the demonic world this that there may be a hierarchy of evil chances are there is as with most of the world organization of some sort typically develops and it may be the same with the evil world satan is without a doubt the ruler of that world we saw that in the passage we read in our Bibles. But let me show you a couple of verses here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Wherein in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air. No doubt is referring to Satan himself. But Paul also goes on and he says this in Ephesians chapter 6. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, notice the words, principality, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. When you see those verses, you understand the word principalities there in the Greek means a governing power or authority. It could be that this lays out a plan of authority, I'll take you back to it, lays out a plan of authority of the spiritual world. So it could be that the hierarchy is this, the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness, and the spiritual wickedness in higher places. Why would the demonic world need a governing authority? I'll tell you why. Because our enemy is not haphazardly running around on the earth. They are an organized army with an organized plan. Second Corinthians chapter 2. So that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Schematic is the root word of that Greek word. Schema in the Greek. It is the devil has a methodology to how he is attacking this world. Our culture is not developing the way it develops haphazardly. This culture is being driven along by the prince of the power of the air, which is why we cannot just follow culture because it's the devil's culture that he's planning out. And if he has schemes, that means he has organized thought, organized plans, and he is mobilizing an army. Not just to attack this world, not just to attack this culture, but hear me to come after you and to come after me. There's a hierarchy of evil because they are very methodical in how they attack. Point number five, I want to tell you, that is demons are genuine persons. And I mean that literally in the psychological sense because they are spiritual creatures does not mean they have no personality. As a matter of fact, we learn that they do have personality. They have the four markers of personality. First of all, they have intelligence. Say, so how do we know they have intelligence? Well, we hear them talk. They knew the Lord. They knew their eventual doom. They believe in God, the Bible says. They have intelligence. Second of all, they have emotions. They often express fear and frustration and anxiety in the presence of Jesus. I love that. You let Jesus walk into the room and demons got nervous. But that's a mark of personality. They had will. We see demons throughout Scripture arguing for their way, for their life, and for their destiny. Asking Christ for specific decisions to be made. That's will. And finally, they had personality. They're often described as use, using personal pronouns. Those are the requirements for uh, personality, for being a genuine person. They are spiritual creatures who have personality and intellect, and they are actively using their resources to plot and scheme evil against the kingdom of God, against individual believers, and against the church. Demons are real persons. Sixth thing I want to tell you about the demonic is this. They are 100% corrupted. 
There is absolutely no redeeming quality to the demonic. The Bible uses these words to describe a demon oftentimes. Unclean spirits. It means devoid of purity or evil spirits. In the Greek, it's morally or socially worthless, wicked, evil, bad, base, vicious, degenerate. They are 100% corrupted. The Bible never speaks of them in any other way. They are devoid of any goodness in their life whatsoever. Anything to do with the demonic world has but one purpose. And Jesus pointed it out in John 10.10. He said, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Hear me, that is the only purpose of the demonic world. It is here to steal, kill, and destroy. I, I could spend so much time here. Here's a whole sermon. But our culture is trying to tell us if we follow their path, if we follow their teaching, that, that the, the, if we'll follow them, it leads to freedom and happiness. It doesn't. It leads to they only trying to steal, kill, and destroy. When you follow the culture, you're headed for destruction. When you follow the culture, you're going to lose something one way or another. Why? Because the demonic world is 100% corrupted, and they're always trying to ruin your life. Always. But let me say this, number seven. Not everything bad is from the demonic. Having said all that, not everything bad that happens in your life or life in general is demonic. I would say it's probably rare. We see demonic activity settling down when Jesus is not physically on earth anymore. And the Bible is full of admonition that doesn't include demonic activity. So let me give you some examples. When the Corinthian church was having division in the church, Paul didn't tell them to cast out the demon of division. He told them to stop it. Quit being divided. Now, could they have been influenced by demons? Sure. But Paul didn't cast out a demon. When he told them they were spiritually immature, he didn't tell them they had a demon of immaturity. He told them to get into the word of God. To the Letter at Galatians, when speaking of a fallen brother, he didn't tell them to cast out the demon of wrongdoing or the demon of sin. He told them to restore the brother and help them. Truth is, once we get past the Gospels, we see demonic activity quickly dissipating. That's not to say it doesn't exist today. It does, but few if any of our problems are typically caused by demonic activity, I'll tell you what the demonic does do in our life in the next point, but you don't need to be casting out the demon of burnt cornbread at your house. You don't need to be casting out the demon of a lost football game or bad or an interception uh, for your football team. That's not how this works. Well, so how do demons affect us in our lives? Point number eight, I want to talk about how do demons attack? We see three, three references in the Bible to how demons attack. Number one, we'll call it affliction. In the Gospels, we see them afflicting people with physical disease and mental disorders. Physical disease and mental disorders. Now, let me say quickly. Not every disease or disorder is from the devil. I'd say it's rare. But that's how they afflicted them in the Gospels. 
when Jesus cast the demons out, it was accompanied by a salvation experience. So I believe, and most theologians believe, that that affliction was for unbelievers, not believers. Jesus healed plenty of diseases and disorders that were not caused by demonic activity. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this, some were sick because of the plan of God so we could see the glory of God in their life be revealed. So you can't say, well, I'm sick, and we see that on television, right? We see it on television. Somebody comes across the platform to be healed, and somebody will cast out the demon of cancer in their lives. I'm going to be honest, that, that's never true for a child of God. I say it's rarely true for somebody that's an unbeliever. And most of the time, God lets sickness come into our lives so his glory can be revealed. And so we see this affliction. I don't believe it's for believers, and uh, I think it would be rare. But number two, we see their power of suggestion. And I think this is directly for believers. Look at 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. Deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. That there were a group of people that were letting demons determine their theology. Demons cannot afflict or even possess a Christian, I believe, but they can suggest. In this very case, whispering false doctrine in the ears of those in the church. I want to be honest, we, we may see this more than we know. I, I can't tell you how many times over the 30 years of my ministry, people have left my church or a church or the faith to go into some cult or false religion. And you think, how in the world could somebody who's been brought up in the Bible and around the Bible and in church believe what they believe? Well, Paul told us there's a doctrine of demons. There's a spirit of suggestion. This is this suggestion element to the demonic world that doesn't mind steering even the believer in the wrong direction. So listen to me, listen to me. What's that power of suggestion used for? It's used to tempt us. It's used to get us into sin. It's used to lead us into false doctrine. It's used to corrupt our lives and our spiritual lives, maybe even our family lives or our work life. They cannot possess, but they can suggest. The devil can't get your soul, but he can get your testimony. He can get your joy. He can get your effectiveness for the kingdom of God. That's why you've got to be careful about what you let into your world. I believe that the demonic world can so organize the media and activity of your life that it can bring about the power of suggestion into your life. You've got to understand that when you're being tempted and you think nobody's watching, it is absolutely spiritual warfare taking place right there, and you're the battleground. 
Can you be afflicted? No. But they can suggest. If he can't get your soul, he'd love to have your testimony. If he can't get your soul, he'd love to have your joy. If the demonic world cannot get your soul, they'd love to have your effectiveness for the kingdom of God. There's the power of affliction, the power of suggestion. Number three, there's the power of possession. We see at least 13 references in the New Testament to demonic possession. We see physical abnormality, self-destruction, self-harm, insanity, superhuman strength, and occultic powers. Do I believe a lost person can be possessed? I do because we see it all throughout the Bible. I don't believe a believer can be possessed. I think with the Holy Spirit indwelling a believer at the moment of salvation, there's no room for the demonic to occupy. All rooms are full. He can't possess us and he can't afflict us, but he can, they can suggest in our lives. That's how the demonic world attacks today. So number nine, told you I'd get finished in time. You need to, number nine, guard yourself. Guard yourself. How do we guard ourselves against the demonic world? I'm going to give you three ways today because I don't want to leave you hanging on just bad news, right? I want to give you three ways, and I'm going to preach about it next week. So be here next week. Be in person, if at all possible, next week. How do you guard yourself Against the mom Can I give you three things that will carry us through until next Sunday? Number one is this. Know for sure that you're saved. I mean know 100% sure that Christ is in your life. Heaven is your home. The Holy Spirit indwells your life. Know that you are saved because of those three things I put on the screen that we believe the demonic world can do to us today. Only one of those can be to the Christian, and it's only the power of suggestion. But yet those other things are wide open to somebody that doesn't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. And so know for sure that you're saved and born again. Know for sure. Don't leave any room for doubt. Don't leave any room for question. Don't hope you're saved. Don't think you're 95% sure saved. Know, know, know that you're saved. Number two, if you're a Christian, then walk with God and be filled with the Spirit of God. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there's no law. Know that you are saved. Be filled with the Spirit of God. How do I get filled with the Spirit of God? You so walk with God in His Word. You so walk with God in His surrender that you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And when the Holy Spirit, by the way, it's not about you getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit getting more of you. And the more of my life I surrender to the Holy Spirit, the less room there is for the demonic to suggest in my life. So know you're saved. Walk with this God and be filled with the Spirit. And then number three, I'm going to tell you this. Stay away from occultic paraphernalia and demonic influences. I'd be careful about the music I listened to. I'd be careful about the games I played. I'd be careful about the things I engaged with. All those things I mentioned last week, I'd be careful. Stay away from anything that reeks 
of the demonic spiritual ward, world and guard yourself. Would you close your Bibles and stand with me? I love going to the movies. Love going to the movies. Um, back in the day, I, I, the, y'all will remember. How many of y'all remember Blockbuster? You remember Blockbuster? Yeah, it's the big one. How many of y'all remember the mom and pop video store? Remember the mom and pop video store? Right? And uh, Sherry and I, we first got married, and uh, we used to go to mom and pop video store and rent a movie. And um, back then, you didn't really have, I hate to say back then, make me sound old, but I am in my 30s, and so, you know, uh, we'd go rent a movie, we'd bring it back home, but you didn't have the internet. We didn't know what a movie was about. I don't know if, if you're young, you don't remember this, but you just uh, used to walk through the movie store looking for an interesting title. That's all you did. If you'd not seen it, you'd watch it. And so we, we'd bring it home on the weekends. And I remember when we first got married, we used to lay in the floor, get a blanket and cover up together and a pillow or two, and we'd sit there and watch a movie. We, we love a good scary movie. We love a good, you know, horror, intense drama movie. But never, ever, are we ever going to watch anything that has demons in it? We're done the minute we find out. We rented a movie one Friday night, went home to watch it. We didn't know what it was about. Didn't have the internet, didn't have Google, couldn't figure anything out. We just plopped the movie in the VCR. Now, if you don't know what that is, ask your grandparents on the way home. They'll tell you what a VCR was. And ask them how hard it was to program the time on a VCR. Took an engineering degree from Georgia Tech to program the time on a VCR. And so we popped that movie in the VCR and we got into it, man. It was good. It was good. Man, we were, we were into it. Maybe about a third of the way into it, we started saying in our spirits separately, well, uh-oh, this feels like it's taking a turn towards the demonic. We just won't watch it. By the time we were halfway into it, it was good. I don't remember what the movie was to this day. I've blocked it from my mind. It was full-on demonic activity. She looked at me before I could say it, and she said, uh-uh, we're not watching this. I said, I'm, I'm with you, girl. I'm with you. So I turned it off. We went to bed. We got in bed. Sherry said, Hey, I don't want that thing in our VCR. Might start playing on its own or something. Go get it out of the VCR. <laughs> so I went and got it out of the VCR, put it in the movie case, went to bed. We lay in there for a minute. Sherry said, Hey, I don't want that thing in my house. <laughs> go get that out of the house and go put it in the car. So we'll take it back to the movie store tomorrow. I said, All right, good idea. I went and got it out of the house, put it in the car went to bed we've been laying there a few minutes she said it's too close go get it out of the car and go put it in the mailbox and I got up my underwear on a Friday night went and got out of the car put it in the mailbox and took it back to the movie theater like this with prayer the whole way you know why We want to guard ourselves because I believe the demonic world is real. And I want to tell you, you need to guard yourself. 
You need to know for sure that you're saved. Our pastors are coming and you can take care of that today. You need to walk with God. Hey, this Christian life is not a joke. It's not something God gave you to play around with in your spare time. The demonic world is, is real. And if, even if you're a believer, the farther away from God you are, the easier it is for you to fall prey to the suggestions of the demonic world. And you need to get away from anything, anything. Don't put it in your mind. Don't put it in your eyes. Don't put it in your house. That has to do with the demonic world. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that message. And um, boy, the truth is this, demons are real. And um, our perception is shaped so much um, by the culture we live in. And I appreciate um, the biblical truth that we've been pointed to this morning about the spiritual world. And um, man, the challenge for me this morning is uh, don't allow any of that stuff to enter my home. Protect my home. It's my job as a dad uh, to protect my wife and my kids um, from those things entering my home, whether it be through the television or by whatever means. And so uh, maybe you've been challenged in a similar way this morning, or maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and that your sin separates you from God. You've got to be willing to admit that. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, and on the third day, He rose again to conquer sin, death, and hell. For me and for you, you've got to believe that. And then you have to confess Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. It's not enough just to believe. Scripture tells us even the demons believe but you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, which is one thing they cannot do. And if today you'd like to give your heart and life to Christ, tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again to pay the penalty for my sin. I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, we want to celebrate that with you. And so um, if you would click on the link that we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. We're going to get in touch with you this week and we're going to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus because we want you to know you're not in this alone and uh, we want to help you as you grow in Christ. Hey, it has been fantastic to be worshiping together online this morning. Um, I hope you have a great week. God bless you. See you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>